gather around as we spill the tea on cybersecurity. We're talking about the topic in a way that everyone can understand. I'm your host, Jarrah Rowe, giving you just what you need. This is the Tea on Cybersecurity, a podcast from Trava. Picture this, you're a founder of a SaaS company and you understand how important cybersecurity is, but you don't necessarily understand how to implement that or you have additional questions like if you even have the manpower. But this would not be an episode of the Tea on Cybersecurity if we did not answer some of those questions for you. And we will be talking about how do you implement a cybersecurity program early on, not only for a product, but your company as well. And we also know that I am not the cybersecurity expert. So I have someone here that will be answering these questions for me. Jake Miller, the CEO of the Engineered Innovation Group, will be joining me on this episode. Hey, Jake. Hi, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm great as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to get a better understanding on what it all takes to create a cybersecurity program early on. So one of the first questions I typically start off with my guest is, why do you think cybersecurity is such a foreign topic or so confusing for people? Part of it is, one, it is just a foreign topic. I think there's a lot of confusion. The regulation and rules may seem like they change frequently. There are a lot of acronyms like GDPR, CCPA, SOC 2, ISO, and it just gets maybe overwhelming and intimidating in some circumstances. I definitely understand that. And you mentioned SOC 2, which we've had an episode about that, and it's been super helpful for people to better understand everything. So, you know, I skipped the most important part, letting you introduce yourself. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself and let people know why you are an expert and they should even be listening to you? My name is Jake Miller. I'm, as you mentioned, CEO of Engineered Innovation Group. I have a long background, about 20 years in software engineering development and product development. Spent some time at Salesforce as a director of engineering there for the marketing automation suite of products. Worked at a company called MetaCX and was CTO there which is where I really had my first foray in leading a security program from the ground up. And then I left that company to to start EIG, where we specialize in building MVPs for startup companies. And the reason security is always top of mind for me is it's often not top of mind for our customers. 10, 15 years ago, it may not have been such a uh, important topic. It may not have been so top of mind, But now it's pretty much table stakes to have a compliance, security, and privacy program in place when you're building the MVP. Part of that is actually because of things like GDPR and CCPA, where you need to be able to uh, provide answers to questionnaires about security and your privacy practices and policies and procedures, all that fun stuff. So you mentioned a term that I am not familiar with, which is MVP. Please explain what that is. Yeah. So MVP is the minimally viable product. And that is to say, what is the least number of features you need in order for someone to adopt and use your product? Okay. There's a minimally marketable product. And that is what's the minimum amount of feature sets that you need to have someone pay you money to use that product. 
you know, there's this idea that the more expert you become in a certain domain, the more vocabulary you have. So if you are living in a area with a lot of snow, you have different words for snow. Eskimos do actually have different words for powdery snow versus heavy snow versus wet snow. Okay. And so I, I say that because in the software development, product development, SaaS world, you also start developing those vocabularies. So we think of pre-MVP as clickable prototypes, some low fidelity product that you're actually building. The MVP split into two sections. What's your steel thread? Meaning what is the feature set from end to end? Just that one thread is all you need to develop first. Then you build on top of that the rest of your MVP product. And then from that point, you move what I call post-MVP, which are things like the minimally marketable product and ongoing support and feature development and enhancements, that sort of thing. Yeah, I can definitely imagine a lot of SaaS founders having that conversation, kind of like the chicken and the egg. What comes first or like what is that one thing that we need to like get people in the door? Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of things about like SaaS companies and things like that, but why is it important to build security into a company and not only the product from day one? So I think one misconception, and I even had this when I was going through this process with a former company, is that security is just about the platform or the software itself. In reality, that's actually a smaller portion of what a good, healthy security and privacy program looks like. Mm -hmm. The other misconception is that security is all that matters when in reality, it's compliance and privacy that are just as important as the security. So it's important to build your privacy, security, and compliance programs in early on because there's an expectation in the market, especially for enterprise-grade SaaS companies that are working with, let's say, hospital systems, mm -hmm. these big clients that you're trying to get into up front. And there's just that expectation that you have at least started to take those programs seriously. As I was saying before, it's things like your corporate security policies that are really important. Whether you have all of those things running or not, whether you've actually implemented them all, um, you know, that's, that's important to get to that point but you really need to have a roadmap to get there. So, so don't wait until you're year in to figure out what those things are, because then you have a lot of, lot of backtracking you have, yeah, to, you have to go back. Yeah. And I've seen this several times with companies where I've walked in, whether they're clients or not, and their head of engineering is saying, oh my gosh, we're going through SOC 2 compliance. My entire engineering team stopped because we have to go back and we have to do X, Y, and Z. And it's just a pain in my butt. And in reality, if that had just been done from the beginning in partnering with someone, even like Trava, you can save yourself that headache. And it's actually more than a headache. It's actually not fun at all. Yeah. Marie Joseph, she's on the Trava team. Uh, I recently interviewed her for a podcast episode, and she talked about how much time it really takes to then go back and do everything when it comes to getting a compliance certification. So yes, you end up saving time and money if you start earlier on. Right. That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned was like a roadmap. Do you have any other advice 
for a founder when it comes to making security into the company and not just the product? Yeah, I would uh, highly suggest partnering with someone that's been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And that could be, again, someone like Trava that specializes in it, or it could even be shameless self-promotion here, someone like EIG that we start that process for you with your policies and procedures. So we don't just focus on the product, which is something I think special as us as an engineering and, and development partner. We also focus on the organization. So a lot of times I'll see founders that will think, I just need two developers and we're going to go hands on keyboard. In reality, you're not just building a product, you're building an organization. And think about what would your processes be? What would your policies be? How are you going to introduce your team to security? All those things matter way up front. Don't forget that you're building an organization, not just a product. Especially like earlier on, I would assume that a founder would just be so head into the product or even thinking about from a branding perspective, just not thinking about all of that in one bucket. Yeah. And I don't think I have an expert to comment on that either, but I'm going to come on, comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we work with a lot of startups. I think it's been 12 in the past year that we've helped get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I think the, the CEOs that we work with are very business minded. They're thinking about runway, especially in this economic environment where mm-hmm. Being able to extend your, your cash and cash flows is just incredibly important to, you know, it's existential risk. And yeah, I, but on the product engineering side, even when a technical co-founder comes on very often, I don't see that they are product minded. Uh, they may mm-hmm. be future minded. And so all that stuff becomes, oh, we'll, we'll get to that. It's just a distraction. It's going to cost us money. And in reality, if you look six months down the line, you would have saved yourself a, a lot of headache if you'd done that sooner. Not to, in fact, we had a customer just this year. We started working with them at the end of July. And by early November, they had gotten through a security review with a major hospital system because mm-hmm. they had thought about what those programs should look like early on. If they had not done that, it would have cost them another three months in order to get that very important first client on board. So, I mean, you're talking impact to time to market as well. For sure. So you just mentioned money and revenue. So I would love to talk about budgeting. I understand that a budget is typically a big factor for companies, especially early stage companies. So what advice would you give? um, And is it possible to give like a ballpark number when it comes to creating that security program? So I would say, and this is from experience as a CTO at a a technical co-founder and CTO at a company where we did this, and as now CEO of a company that helps startups get started, you should think about this in different steps. So your first year, I would estimate Mm -hmm. that you want to set aside between twenty and forty thousand dollars for a SOC two assessment. That's your your type one and maybe type two, and that's probably in the U.S. the most important security or compliance framework to get certified mm-hmm. early. I would also highly advocate that in order to get to that point where you can prove that you are following all the controls in those security frameworks, you have to have the policies, procedures. You have to be able to prove that you're following them, 
and you need a partner for that. That is something where you're going to have to have someone dedicated or that is responsible for your security program. And that can be someone that's outsourced and it's probably going to be very cost prohibitive to hire that person in immediately. Even, even a, a CTO, technical co-founder that doesn't have experience in this probably shouldn't take it all on their shoulders to begin with. I, I highly advocate that you partner with someone that's an expert in it. And by doing so, you save a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So now that we talked about overall costs, I would like to get into the how. How does a company founder implement a security program from day one? I feel like you touched on it a little bit previously, but I would love for you to go into that a little more. Yeah. So the way I've approached it in the past and why I still approach it is start with a policy document. What actually there, there's two prongs here from an organizational operational perspective. It is what does a policy document look like? And you can get that from a partner. Frankly, you could probably go out on the web and find a template that you want to start from. They're fairly standard. And then make sure you're checking those boxes, right? Do you have the ability to satisfy the requirements in each of those policies or not? Um, another thing that I advocate is for folks to go look at those security controls documentation, because it'll also give you an idea of what are the things that you're going to have to do. For example, you need to have an acceptable use policy. You're going to need a password construction policy. These are things that aren't hard to implement, but are just table stakes, right? Mm -hmm. Once you have that document in place, then it, then it makes sense to say, now we're going to get a, a vendor or a partner or whoever it is that's the expert in security and, and privacy to vet that, okay, this is a correct program that you're, you're preparing to implement. Um, so that to me is a scrappy way to start. But before you go to tell a customer, hey, we have a security program and I just stole a template off the internet, <laughs> make sure you're talking to the expert that's able to go through that and make sure it is meeting industry standard and that you are putting together a program to say, what, where are you in implementing it? That's actually probably a really important point too. Don't get intimidated by whether you are actually implementing everything in your policies yet very early on. The most important thing is to have a policy, have mm -hmm. procedures so you know what you're working towards. That's your roadmap because a lot of organizations, even big organizations that are working with startups understand you're six months old. Of course, you're not going to have, you know, a full business continuity disaster recovery plan where you have a whole team that comes together that's just working and swarming a problem, you probably have one or two people, <laughs> at least your baseline so that you can work towards implementing that in the future. So you just mentioned roadmaps and you are already talking about important elements, but if there's like one thing that has to be included in a security roadmap, in your opinion, what is that? It would be your risk register. What are the things that are the biggest risk to your business and to the technology? And make sure that your board of directors and your executive leadership team understand and have approved that. That will also help you figure out, because cybersecurity at, at the end of the day is about risk management. Mm -hmm. And what you want to figure out is what risks are you willing to accept and what risks are non-negotiable. And that can't be something done in a vacuum. That is something done at a business level, just as much as, as a technical level. 
So when it comes to risks that you are willing to have, who owns those decisions? Is it the board or like, is it a mixture? Yeah, that's a really hard question to start up, especially when you have maybe three people who's responsible for security. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important early on to decide, do you have the right people or the right person that can be responsible and held accountable? And if not, work with a fractional CISO or a mm -hmm. partner that is an expert, that which is which is cost effective, but you have someone that is that's an expert that can be held accountable and responsible for it. I have also seen, um, in fact, this was the case at my last company. At the end of the day, I as CTO was responsible for security and I was held accountable for it, which is why I decided to partner with someone because that's a big responsibility and I was mm -hmm. not the expert. We were also fortunate enough to have a DevOps person that had some security background that could own and manage a lot of the paperwork documentation, the rollout and implementation for us. I will say the risk register is something that the board should approve and should be curated by the executive team because there are components that risk register that are financial components. So your EFO, mm -hmm. whoever your acting financial advisor is, should be part of that. There are business continuity. If you don't have a plan for multi-region backups, you know, which probably shouldn't be a problem in this day and age with cloud, cloud technology, but set that aside, <laughs> there could be a financial pact there that the CEO probably should have a say in whether the investment should be made to address that problem or not. So. I don't think the the responsibility for making all the decisions necessarily is on the shoulder of a CTO, but I do think there should be a person that's named the person accountable. In fact, security programs in every questionnaire you will get will require that you have one person named as the responsible party. So mm -hmm. you kind of have to pick. So what is the right approach and timing for like a founder and a company to invest in cybersecurity? I frame this as at what point do you have a product people are using and entering data? Okay. So if you're building an MVP and you don't have anyone entering data, there are no customers on board yet, they're still in development mode. That's the time to start thinking about the operational side, what your policies, procedures for the organization look like. Um, and then at the point that you have software for the MVP that you're deploying to a production environment, that's the point in time to start doing your internal audits, your vulnerability scanning, your risks to the board and your internal executive team. That's the point that really it's the execution point of your security program. In my opinion, the reason for that is up until that point, things are changing a lot and very quickly. For start, that's kind of the point of MVPs to figure out how can you get to market traction as quickly as possible mm -hmm. along the way pivot. If you said, I'm going to do a SOC 2 audit in month two, and you don't even have your architecture laid out, you're just going to burn cash. There's no point in doing that. Definitely. So Jake, if you could give one piece of advice to someone starting a SaaS company, when it comes to a security program, what would it be? The most important piece of advice I could give a founder starting their company regarding compliance, security, and privacy is to 
I, I hope this doesn't sound sound silly or just too repetitive, but think about it now. Think about it now. Even if you are like I, I'm not the expert in to find someone, talk to them. They don't even have to necessarily be a partner. It could be someone that's been through it before. Mm-hmm. At least get some sort of education on what you're looking at and what lies ahead so that you can well arm yourself and prepare yourself and your organization for what lies ahead on that journey. Yeah. So listeners, even if you don't think you're susceptible to like breaches or attacks, it's still very important to build in security literally from day one. It is. And there was something I failed to mention in this whole conversation because I focus a lot on getting past security reviews, but that's really not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you actually are protecting your customer's data, protecting your customer's privacy. Because at the end of the day, one, it's just the right thing to do, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, it's ethical and moral implications. But it also has a bottom line impact. You can very easily tarnish your reputation and bankrupt your company very quickly. If, if there's a data breach or a privacy breach, it's not worth that risk. I don't remember the actual statistic off the top of my head, but I do remember that a lot of small companies, like small businesses, that when you do have a breach or an attack, it typically shuts the entire business down and you won't be able to build up your reputation again to move yeah. forward. So yeah, there's there's one's own professional reputation on the line as well. All right, Jake. So now we are getting into one of my favorite sections of the podcast, which is our lightning round questions. I'm ready. When you hear cybersecurity, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Risk. Risk. Why is that? Your cybersecurity program is just as much about risk management as it is security. Mm -hmm. And that's why when someone says cybersecurity program, to me, it is risk, risk mitigation, risk management. Perfect. Okay. So I know what my answer is to this next question. And at this point, it's slightly embarrassing, but it's the truth. So (laughs) when it comes time to change your password, do you come up with an entirely new password or do you just tweak the one that you used previously? Yes, this is where a password manager becomes very important so that you are able to easily generate a password that meets the password construction policy Mm-hmm. In your policies and procedure documents. Um, and that's what I do. I have to admit, previous to Trava, I would just like add a one or like a two at the end yeah. of the password because I didn't want to come up with an entirely new password. Yeah. But now I do use those password managers as well just to like come up with whatever it is. Yeah. It's also yeah. why a single sign-on option is really helpful. So if you uh-huh. use Google Workspace or whatnot, and you have a single password to access or to authenticate for the other systems, then there are less passwords to manage. Yeah. All right. So what is the craziest attack you've heard about, seen, worked on? Yeah. So this is actually a very close to home one at Mm -hmm. a former role. I won't mention which one. It was a long time ago. (laughs) I was a software engineer on a new product and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go test and see if I can break anything. But one of the things I was able to do that fortunately had not been 
found I was able to delete, or actually I was able to export all the data from a different table in a database than I was supposed to be able to do. That's crazy, crazy, crazy that that was possible. Um, and, and we were able to fix it very early on, like right before it, it went out to production. So I would say that's like the most close to home and scariest because, uh -huh. you know, it's our software um, could have been affected. All right. So give me a cybersecurity prediction of yours that you think we may see over the next five years. I think as much hype as there is around artificial intelligence and machine learning, we are going to find that those tools and those paradigms are put in place to find vulnerabilities quickly and more easily than humans can. AI machine learning is particularly good at pattern recognition. And I think that we're going to see more white hat hackers, but also malicious actors using those sorts of tools to find vulnerabilities. So final question of this section, which I think is the perfect question for you. What do you wish people would ask when it comes to cybersecurity and risk management? My answer to that is, I just wish people would ask. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the thing that concerns me the most. In fact, a lot of times when, when I'm working with prospects, prospective clients, and we provide them a statement of work, we always include a security and privacy aspect inside mm -hmm. that. Always. It's just non-negotiable. Uh, and a lot of times, in fact, most of the time, we'll hear from those prospects, wow, none of the other development partners even mentioned security. I, I think that just asking what the dev team, the software engineering team, whether it's in-house or outsourced partner, how are they going to manage that? Yeah, we've talked uh, previously about that sometimes people just stay away from topics that they aren't too certain about. But when it comes to cybersecurity and from an early start of a company, that's like the wrong approach. You want to ask those questions that you may seem that are silly, but you really want to ask those early on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Tea on Cybersecurity. I hope that you were able to get your questions answered. If not, find a way to reach out to me and I will be sure to ask them for you. I don't know about you, but I found the information that Jake gave us during this episode was extremely helpful. And now that we've spilled the tea, it's time to go over the receipts. The first receipt that I took away is security is definitely more than just the product. So as you are creating that program, it's important to think about your organization as a whole and how everything works together to keep your product, company, customers safe and secure. The second thing I took away was how you implement this program. And the first thing that Jake said is you need to create a document or checklist, and there may even be one on Google for you to then go through and make sure that you satisfy some of these things that like a compliance like SOC 2 may need from you. And two, which could be the most important is that especially early on, you may need to find an expert or a partner that can help guide you through the entire process of creating a roadmap, creating your program to also make sure you satisfy those compliance measurements as well. 
And the final thing I took away is that when it comes down to the roadmap, your risk register is the most important. And that just allows your company to see what risks you are susceptible to. And then you can talk to your board and figure out what you are willing to accept and then what you don't want to accept. And then you are able to figure out the prioritization of how you remedy these risks. Thanks for tuning in to the Tea on Cybersecurity. If you like what you listen to, I'd be greatly appreciative if you could leave me a review. If you need anything else from me, head on over to Trava Security. Follow wherever you get your podcasts.